Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. It is time for our Counterpoint. I've got to fix my mic. Sorry. Nobody heard that. <laughs> Try to be quiet. <laughs> we got John Mraz, former Liberal War Room director, and Bill Hutchison, former broadcaster, longtime journalist, and a professor over at Seneca College. Hello, hello. Hi there. Hi ho. Hey. Oh, um, let's Mine talk. does make a noise. Because they my... put DW forty on yours. <laughs> it's only. Mine. That wasn't. <laughs> That so, was. That's not the mic. That's Alex. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that is what I sound like when I wake up in the morning. Just stretch out the uh, arms and the legs. Uh, so we were just talking about uh, the election, uh, certainly the Alberta election, and uh, I know both of you were tuned into that. As I take my very loud coat off now. Um, anyway, <laughs> you know, Kenny and Trudeau, they don't have any love for each other. He once compared Trudeau's depth to a finger bowl, uh, but he does you know, have a lot of right-leaning premiers now that, you know, can unify behind them uh, and fight a carbon tax that will, without question, be a ballot box issue for Trudeau. So I'll start with you on this, uh, uh, John. You know, Trudeau has, has said as early as yesterday that he will work with any premier as long as they've got the carbon tax or the plan, and he's not going to get that from, from any of these premiers. Oh, but this is terrific news for Trudeau, whether you like it or not. He has now got foils across the country who will make a variety of decisions and Canadians generally being centrist sort of folks, et cetera. Some of them are going to make some decisions that are um, might even hit the third rails of politics, social conservatism, as it's known. I think Justin should be thrilled because there's just about nothing else that's gone his way, at least now. And Canadians do traditionally, if you look back through the years, like to have a balance of power between the Conservatives and the Liberal at a provincial and a federal level. Yeah, but we're, bro- we're broke now. <laughs> Nothing's going on with our country. Oh, I think that's-, that's right. Doug Ford's really helped us with our bankruptcy. Absolutely well, right. Yes, you're right. It'll happen in like days. I mean, it, it, it took us 15 years to get here. It'll take us maybe more than a year to get out. Let's be honest. In any event, mm. great news for Justin. He's got people to fight, and they're going to come at him as a unified bunch. And Canadians do like that balance. That's that's the experience. If you look at the history of Canada, maybe it'll be different this time. I doubt it. I think it's great news for him because the channel will change. People aren't talking about SNC-Lavalin right now. They're talking about Alberta. Mm-hmm. For today. Um, I have to disagree with the Canadians <laughs> liking uh, the balance in Ontario. Certainly that has been the case. But I worked in Manitoba and Alberta, and that was not the case that the uh, the voters vote for whom they, they support. In Alberta, it is traditionally right uh, of center. In fact, the NDP were an anomaly only because there was a split vote on the right. So I don't think that is true. And they were true. furious with Alison Redford. Yeah, I don't so. think it's true across uh, the entire country that uh, Canadians like one party in provincial politics. I know you're in Ontario and, and that is the center of the universe. And so you would assume the rest of Canada is just like Ontario, but, but it's not. So yeah. uh, your premise is wrong there. And I don't think it's good news for Justin Trudeau to have Jason Kenney because Jason Kenney is a very uh, powerful force uh, on the federal level as well as on the provincial level. And I think that he will go after Justin Trudeau. And I think that Justin Trudeau will not be able to stand well, up. Well, he can Jason force Kenney. a conversation for Trudeau that he doesn't want to have yeah. with Quebec. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, those conversations with let go will be yeah. happening, I think, fairly and, quickly. And everywhere where the carbon tax was a ballot box issue, it is, it is lost. It's been voted down. We are talking about the same Jason Kenney, right? I mean, he's not exactly a man of the people. He's, he's sort well, of cares, an odd he, he, duck. A, and I'm trying to be nuanced here. I mean, he is an I, odd duck. I, no, Does I, he still live in his mother's basement? I mean, what the hell? Well, you do. So oh, what's the wrong with slandering's her? already come out. 
Look, come on. Let's be fair. Which, my, by the way, my the, mother passed over the <laughs> rainbow a few years ago. If I was living in her basement, I, I, I must be living in heaven. So, uh, Jason Kenney's an interesting character, one who exited the federal scene and has now taken over the province of Alberta with some interesting tactics. And he has some interesting views, both personally and supported some well, interesting... Wait, wait, wait. his tactics were, were talking about the economy and talking about jobs. Those are interesting tactics, as opposed to the other side, which were trying to brand him a, a homophobe and, and a white nationalist. But it takes us kind of into the next the next topic, though, because... A homophobe? We, Didn't I mention about living in his mother's basement? Go on. Whatever. But the mudslinging that we hear, like the personal attacks, clearly... These these campaign tactics, which we did see on Ontario, we saw it in the federal election last time, and and we are going to see it in this federal election. But you know, if you look at it, if I were a strategist right now, John, I'd be saying this, these attacks and the fear mongering, calling people neo Nazis or Nazis or white Nazis, that is not going to fly with Canadians. They don't want to hear it. Both parties have made this mistake. And uh, generally, when you use those sort of tactics, I mean, what you're trying to do is actually suppress vote. You're behind. And so you use those tactics to make people so disgusted mm. with the entire electoral process or with parties or with leadership, et cetera, that they say, I just can't even take it. It's been proven time and time again around the world statistically that when it, these sorts of attack uh, ads or tactics or the sort of fear mongering or, you know, whether it's from the right or from the left are used that voters become disgusted, apathetic, and disinterested. Uh, I cannot endorse, in fact, I was virulently opposed to Justin Trudeau's people calling anybody a Nazi because when there's real Nazis around, if you call everybody a Nazi, Mm -hmm. the word becomes meaningless. It's Godwin's Godwin's law, right? The minute that any argument goes to the word Nazi, the entire argument becomes absurd. But gone, but but no question, people didn't stay home. Seventy over seventy percent of Albertans voted last night because they were upset about the economy and jobs, which is what Jason Kenney was talking about. Mm. There you go. Uh, the other uh, thing he was talking about, which I thought was interesting, is is you know I watched his speech. Was this comment that he said, uh, and he didn't mince any words. He is he is going to be shutting down the the foreign inv- invaders. I have a message, another message, a message to those foreign-funded special interests who have been leading a campaign of economic sabotage against this great province, to the Rockefeller Brothers Fund, to the Tides Foundation, to Lead Now, to the David Suzuki Foundation, and to all of the others. Your days of pushing around Albertans with impunity just ended. The crowd seemed to like that, uh, Bill. And <laughs> not surprisingly. Especially the- it, 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 is, it is well known. It's been well documented by Vivian Krauss, yeah. uh, who's behind all these campaigns against Alberta oil and how effective they've been and where the money's come from. And it, it is bent to the benefit of, of the United States. So yeah, people in Alberta are justifiably angry that they've uh, been pushed aside by by, the, by this sort of campaigns. I've not seen a speech like that. I mean, it might might not surprise you, John, but finally at the issue, I'm glad to see the issue was at least top of mind and said out loud. Would have been a better speech if it actually said, oh, and also to the Trumpist, the locus of the greatest interference in the Canadian economy in a century, and the Chinese, right. that who have just right. destroyed the agrarian economy right. in, in the, you know, right. 
in our Midwest, if you want to call it that, well, whatever. No, we, we talk about that Trump. Fair. That would have been fair. Then he could have said all the rest of those names. No, no, but but the all... greatest poison and interference in our economy right now and politically is the absurdity of the Trump doctrine and its protectionist, xenophobic, nationalist, anti-Canadian, economic detritus to Canada. What the Come hell are you on. talking about? I'm not. He I has mean, his thesaurus on his like, desk. What? Okay, I'll get my dictionary out. It's but, very simple. Trump has no, been the greatest poison to Alberta's economy and China's probably well, well, ranking no, number no, two. No, hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. John, John, it's Barack been going Obama on for a long time. Barack Obama did not help the Alberta economy either. Yeah, he didn't exactly... Uh, I blocked Keystone. Yeah. How did we bring up Barack Obama? But, but, but hold on a second. You're talking about damage to the Alberta economy. It started with shutting down that one pipeline. It's been going on for over a decade. Not allowed to go through. It's been going on for over a decade. The Alberta economy was fine and Barack Obama wasn't in power then. Right now he's giving speeches for $50,000 to the That was the first pipeline that was blocked. So it, it just continued on. It's the, it's the Energy the, East pipeline that yeah. was blocked. It's the Trans Mountain pipeline that's been blocked so far. Well, the as much, Bill, as I admire your vision of history as an old man, let's talk about right now the biggest problem to the Canadian economy and in the Alberta economy is Trump. <sighs> I think now, there's a lot more But the problems. damage was well laid in place uh, for a long time before Trump. You're right. Trump is not good for Canada. But it's had plenty of help for, for over a decade, and no one in this country, certainly in leadership, has done a damn thing about it. I just hope Alberta can reverse it to a degree at this point, because that's how bad it is. Let's pause here. We will pick up the labor issues uh, <laughs> gearing up and heating up across the province. We'll talk about that in just a second here on Point on Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We got John Raz and we've got uh, Bill Hutchison joining us here. Uh, the war of words, of course, ramping up between Doug Ford and the public sector unions. And uh, if it is a fight they wanted, they are going to get it. Um, I, I don't think it can be understated how ugly this could get. There's lots of spin going around. You know, we've got these reports coming out of Peel that 200 teachers have been cut, but this is not a cut. There are teachers that are called surplus teachers. They're essentially contract workers. They know year-to-year bill that the board may or may not have money to to bring them back in. So now we've got this spin going where teachers are saying, I've been fired, which which is very disingenuous spin. But nonetheless, it's very powerful. But that's the headline that that will stick in people's minds. Yeah, no, the surplus teachers happen every year and the schools don't know their final enrollment until, I think it's June 15th is the, the date. It's actually written in the collective agreement that there are uh, surplus teachers uh, every year and yeah. they have to wait. And if they if they can't find a job at their school, they're still in the system, they move to another school. And if they accept that, then then everything's fine. Uh, interestingly, I before I came down here, I was listening to a... Um, a phone call from Smokey Thomas yeah. uh, talking about OPSU and all of the battles that they plan against the yeah. Ford government, all the terrible things the Ford government is, is going to do. Yeah, and yet hasn't yet done yes. it. But but nonetheless, let, let's play some audio uh, of my interview earlier with uh, OFL uh, President uh, Chris Buckley. Take a listen. I'm quite certain if you asked most people, they didn't vote for Doug Ford to cut our public services. They didn't vote for cuts in education or cuts in health care. It's important to note that the Premier of Ontario has not agreed to meet with any union in the province of Ontario since he was elected. And so to that, John, I'd say Ontarians did, in fact, vote for austerity, and they voted very, very much of kicking the last government out that put us in this situation. So Ontarians, and the polling showed that Ontarians expected austerity and do expect that this government will get the books in order. Respectfully. Respectfully, Alex, I think if you're the Premier of Ontario, no matter what your stripe, and Bob Ray learned this, Conservatives have learned this, Liberals have learned this, you can't touch two rails. Because 
the mothers, and it's principally still the mothers who are voting on this issue, expect their kids to go to public schools that are well-funded, not well, where money here. has been. I, they're not overfunded. <laughs> education matters. Our kids the edu- matter. I we get education it. Education spending but went up in the budget. Like $30 billion. So healthcare spending. And by the way, the, the by rates the way, of failure in math and English don't justify the cost. Like, we're not getting our money's worth. I'm not worth. saying it's been done right, and I agree oh, with you. But we're supposed these, to just shut up. These substitute teachers... Uh, contractually, they are spinning hard, but it does mean there are 200 less teachers out there for no, the kids. But no, that's no, not, no, that's not that's true. Not true. You get notice of your surplus doesn't necessarily mean you won't have a job in September until the schools know what their enrollment will be. They they declare a certain number of teachers surplus, and they could be teachers that were filling in on mat leave. It could be a number of other reasons. But these are the very young. They are contract. Yeah. they're on contract, and they go year to year. And a lot of them get their jobs back uh, after June 15th. So, and the second thing I don't think you can ever muck with is funding for health care. I think if you're the premier and you want to be reelected, I think, was increased I think people got rid of Kathleen Lynn because she was investing in 62 other sectors where she shouldn't have been and become omnipresent in every part of our lives, and she justifiably was removed. Doug Ford, I think, is foolish to go after health care and education. That's my when, view politically. When, but spending in health care has gone up. I don't understand. So everyone, the sky was falling over a budget that turned out to be very liberal. Um, and now Doug Ford is still going to do the draconian cuts that never happened. And, and by the way, it's being spun and it's being basically bought as legitimate, but it's not, it's a disingenuous argument because these surplus teachers, and they know it, this is every year that this happens and they're not being cut. They were never hired to begin with. They are contract workers that may or may not get a job the following year in that particular board. And the other thing is, Doug Ford just changed the legislation on teaching and hiring. So a lot of these surplus teachers are the young teachers that want to get in and will have a better chance of actually getting full-time jobs under this government. Having said all that, to get out of the weeds, if Doug Ford has the chutzpah to go after the public service unions, which when I worked at Queen's Park for a prior liberal government, where a thorn on our side, nothing was ever good enough for them, then I support him. I don't support some of the moves and some of the tactics he's he's made recently. Which is what? Which is what? Which no, is no. what? I, I, I certainly don't think that he had any business putting those stickers for us. I don't think he had any business cutting teachers. He I don't think he had teachers. any business leaking papers that showed his desire to privatize huge swaths of health care. Because no has, other government's ever done that. If he has the hoots about to take on some of these public service unions, I think Ontarians will support him. And I think the public service unions overestimate the amount of support they have from average voters across the province. That we agree on. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we found one. Okay, one. It happens once a millennium. Um, meanwhile, uh, the Ford government is, uh, you know, taking its fight with this federal uh, carbon pricing to the court of, of, of public opinion with this new ad campaign, highlighting the cost. Take a listen. With this election, we begin to no, stand up for Clinton. ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> They fired we'll Jason Kenney. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new commercial. <laughs> With the federal government's carbon tax, you'll pay more for heating your home, for driving your kids to school, and for groceries. This will result in the average family paying $648 a year by 2022. Ontario has a better way, holding the biggest polluters accountable, reducing trash, and keeping our lakes clean. A carbon tax isn't the only way to fight climate change. Find our plan at Ontario.ca slash environment plan, paid for by the Government of Ontario. I have no problem with the ad up until that last sentence. These are partisan ads. I didn't like it when the Liberals did it, and I don't like it, I don't like it when the current government does it. 
the federal government is running ads telling us how wonderful these these carbon uh, tax rebates are and never telling us how much it's going to cost us. So yin and yang, it's one one or the other. I mean, I would, should, I would love to see. Yeah, I would yeah. love to see both of them taken off the air. Unfortunately, we're in li- living in an environment where governments are spending uh, tax dollars on partisan uh, ads. I know, but we shouldn't be putting up with that. I, I'm hip hop. I was hypnotically distracted by the music in the background that made me want to buy a condo in Boca Raton. But <laughs> aside from all of that. Um, I don't like I don't out. like partisan ads paid for by the taxpayer. I don't like the stickers and the threat of a ten thousand dollar fine if a gas station doesn't put them. These are I sound like a conservative. That would be a private business. Don't tell me what stickers I have to put on my gas pumps. Thank you very much. But also this notion that Doug Ford seems to have that he can control petroleum prices. I mean, when really even OPEC can't, and I think they got a little more juice than the premier of the province does. I mean, it's, he's deluded. But not deluded, but look. No, he didn't deluded. say he was going to control the, the prices. We're going to control the amount of taxes. Of no, it's about going to control the amount of taxes. It's the carbon Most tax that's going to rise. It. No, it's Saudi Arabia Large percentage of the that gas that you pay that. for is No, but the, the is taxes, taxes, yeah, the taxes just keep going up on it. So it does play a role on it. It's not, it's not, it has nothing to do with the OPEC cost. It has to do with how much the government in this country on every level charges us for, for, for gas. I mean, period. Look, you're the one who just said it. I agree with you. I don't think the liberals. Yeah, so just stop there. I agree with you. All right. <laughs> see, Duly see how that works. <laughs> uh, I don't think. It, oh, but I do want to get this one in because this one's an important story, and I don't know why it's taken so long for government to do this. But uh, the Ontario government um, is now allowing and giving the city, that, who, who is a landlord of the community housing, which is atrocious and needs to be fixed. But they're allowing now the city to uh, deny tenants who have been previously evicted for criminal activity. I mean. Really? This is something Kathleen Wynne uh, bill voted against. And I don't understand that. The city needs this. They need to clean up subsidized housing. And the, and the communities deserve that. It makes perfect sense. And it protects the law-abiding citizens who, who need to live in this kind of subsidized housing. It makes perfect sense. Will the city actually act on it, even if they have the power? I'm not sure. Well, they. I'm sorry, you break a law, you're out. I'm not sure the city has the power. I think actually Bill's right in terms of their jurisdiction. The no, no. If, if they are given the if yeah. they are given the power, if I'm still I power. still don't believe this city council will will enforce it. Well, I, you're we'll not going to get an argument it. here. I'm with you guys on this one, so not much of an argument. Absolutely, if you're if you are creating a criminal environment in subsidized or social housing or even co-op housing that's partially subsidized by the province, which, see ya. Get yeah, them out. no, yeah. get them out, and, uh, and and don't leave it up to the bartenders and the restaurant owners to, to clean up the mess either. You know that's what right. you know city council will do. <laughs> All right, guys, I got to leave it there. Thank you, Bill Hutchison, John. I almost, called you, I almost called you a different name. <laughs> Good to have you. Was it a name you can say on air? No, hey, it, it, <laughs> well, it had nothing to do with that. But nonetheless, <laughs> I uh, had the wrong name in my head.